curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. It's 2019. And as our industry kicks off the marathon portion of its year, I thought it would be fun to invite a group of guests from last season back onto the program to share their thoughts about the year that was and give perspective on what's ahead in the year to come. So please, if you will, join me in welcoming president of Seattle, Washington distributor Image Source, and now a past chair of the PPAI board of directors, Mr. Tom Goes. Tom, hello. Hello, Roger. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Along with him, we have one of my fellow Promo Kitchen chefs, the newly, I mean newly minted president of the Regional Association Council Board of Directors a collaborator of the highest honor with me in Promo Cares, and last but not least, president of Promo Corner, the sultan of the speaker circuit himself, Bill Petrie. Bill, welcome. Roger, I feel welcome. Thank you. You know, I had to get you a little alliteration in there just as a, a nod to you, buddy. I, I was hoping you'd be the maven of marketing, but I'll go with what you said. Well, okay. Now I got to make a mental note. And Dana Zezo, please make that note for me as he rounds out the illustrious panel today. He's a fellow Regional Association Council Volunteer of the Year. He's a Promo Kitchen co-founder and chef. He's a Hall of Fame member in Trasa. I think it's the only one of us that is a Hall of Fame member of anything. And he's also the current record holder for the most listened to episode of the So You're In Sales podcast. None other than the VP of Marketing and Vendor Relations for American Solutions for Business, the one and only Dana Zezo. Woo woo. Welcome, bud. Woo woo woo. <laughs> So thanks, guys, man. This should be fun. Like, I'm, I'm. Today's episode is kind of like a testimony to the power of relationships because, like, the way I approached everybody about doing this one was somewhat clandestine. Like, I think it was like nothing more than maybe a nondescript calendar invite to everybody that was on the show last year that said, "So you're in sales 2018 year in review." Like, no questions, no 
long-winded email, and you guys know I'm typically a big long-winded email guy, just an invite. And look at who I was able to get on to come and talk to you. So to all of you, I don't know whether to say thank you or be worried for each of you that you would accept something so blindly from me. Roger, this is Bill. I think it's a testament to what the brevity in an email can get you. So maybe maybe there's a lesson to be learned here. <laughs> well, I'm just going to chalk it up to strong friendships, and I'm going to make sure I have each of a, a box of emergency for each of you as a gift when we get to Vegas, because we know the only real way to stay alive in Vegas is with water and emergency. Yeah, if you haven't started that by now, you're already screwed. Emergency. Look for it at your local Walgreens. Let's see if we can get somebody to pay me for that. So I sent you all the topics, so no one's going to be startled by the questions. Let's rotate the order of respondents for each question. After that, with the person going first, choosing the next panelist, they'd like to respond to the question. If you think that I have something to offer to the question, feel free. If you don't want to include me, that's cool, too. And if you're the last person answering a question, you get the first slot for the next one. So if you get chosen last to answer, Bill Petrie, you get to answer first next. It's like your favorite fantasy football draft. Does that make sense, boys? All right. Boy, the nothing makes that's that makes, makes sense. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Mr. Zezo, welcome. Yes. Well, thank you. So a, as witnessed by the very well listened to podcast episode, you yours was an interesting year. So what what was your personal highlights for 2018 and what do you perceive to be an industry highlight for the year as well? Yeah, I mean, I think personally, um, you know, a great opportunity came my way um, to make a change uh, and take on a new role that, from a timing perspective, couldn't couldn't have been any better uh, for me personally. So I think just the opportunity that Justin gave me um, at American, it was really my highlight of my year. And it's it, the second half of the year has been great settling in. You know, that That's my personal, you know, and I think uh, just there's so much to learn. Um on the distributor side that I, I you know, I'll openly say I didn't realize how much went on from a vendor perspective, looking at the distributor world. So um, the highlights been just having the team kind of welcome me in and being patient with me and helping me understand and get caught up to these projects that they've been working on for a long time. And just, uh, you know, so again, hi highlight is the new opportunity and the new role. All right, so my proper my proper thing is to turn it now, right? Well, no, actually, I want to know what do you think was one of the highlights for the industry this past year? I think it, overall, it's just come on, Zezo, follow directions. My gosh, have you gotten that lazy moving to the distributor side already? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, this is like this is like podcasting with Kirby. There's simple rules. Roger just went over them. All, all right. you have to do is follow the damn rules. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's going to be a long uh, 20 minute, 30 minutes here. Um, the highlights I think for the industry were, were, were definitely sales. Um, there were a lot of transactions. I know it was a record year in sales for American and talking with other folks in the industry that seemed to be um, a common thread. So definitely an industry highlight um, from my perspective was was activity and transactions uh, and revenue. Now, I know that that makeup of that's different. Um, you know, we're seeing smaller orders. We're seeing more smaller orders. And I know that's putting a lot of uh, stress and strain on the entire system. 
but um, I think the the leaders will navigate through that process and find ways to automate, uh, which we're already seeing um, on our end, uh, the ability to automate those smaller orders and, and deliver those through our system, uh, from the end user through our system, and then through to the uh, um, suppliers and then what they're doing and what we're learning they're doing on their end to be efficient and still be profitable at those. So that was definitely the highlight is that the – I believe the industry is recognizing the importance of processing a lot of small orders. I'm sure they're not jumping up and down for joy about it, but it's better than the alternative. Yes, that is totally true. And now you have the opportunity, like you said, to twist it. So who are you twisting it for? I'm turning it over to Edward Van Halen. I'm sorry, Bill Petrie. All right. Thank you, Dana Zezzo. So, um, yeah, Roger, you did send the questions beforehand, so I actually prepared for a podcast and the first time in my podcast history. So a couple of business highlights, um, which is how you termed the, the, the question. You know, Starting off the year, really proud that Unscripted, the, the podcast I do with Kirby, uh, won an award, won a Pyramid Award. That was really kind of a neat moment, something I never thought really possible when we started off that podcast. So I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, I had some goals for the business. One was to find four additional revenue streams. And we were able to do that, and that's kind of cool. Uh, but opening, I think the biggest one from a, a professional perspective um, is opening the physical location here in Tennessee. That was kind of a dream of, of Joel Moore, um, who owns Promo Corner, and certainly a dream of mine once I, I got on board in uh, 2017. So the, to be able to create that, uh, the, the revenue to support a physical location that allowed us to build the team that we're building, which is also a, a highlight, um, really stands out when I think of 2018. You know, I could go through a whole whole bunch of things. And one other thing I do want to mention, I think we launched some really great pieces of content that the industry hadn't seen before. Uh, the two that come to mind are really how promo is made. I think that's been very, very well received. And and one that Dana Zezzo is a part of, which is the promo effect, where we get to see how uh, properly decorated nuggets of goodness create surprise and delight among end users. And so I'm really proud of what we were able to accomplish as a business this year um, from that perspective. As an industry, which I know you also asked about, Raj, uh, you know, I think... PPAI's continued dedication to educate, educating end users uh, on the value of promotional marketing as a vehicle to uh, promote their businesses has been a, a huge thing. Um, but I think when I, I guess I'd say a couple. So that's one. The, the second one would be I, the growth and cause marketing in purpose-driven organizations in our industry looking not only to make money and make profits, which certainly are important, but also to make the world a better place. And that's a very broad term, but maybe it's local, maybe it's state, maybe it's national, but to certainly give back to the, the community at large. And, and the one thing I'm really excited about, I'm seeing for first time in the history, I've been in this industry almost 20 years, I'm seeing less paranoia among distributors than I ever have. Because I always joke that the industry is founded on complete paranoia and mild alcoholism. I may have to adjust that if people stop getting so paranoid about stuff. So, so those are my answers. I'd love to hear what the president of Image Source says over there in Washington. Tom Ghost, what say you? Dr. Petrie, thank you. And I'm going to do my best to follow directions, Bill, because I <laughs> want to get called out. Yeah, that's okay. I don't expect you to follow directions. Yeah. <laughs> you're a past you're a past chairman of the board. But Dana Zezzo, I absolutely expect him to follow <laughs> process and procedure. And so far, <laughs> candidly, I've been disappointed. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, us lazy <laughs> distributors, you know, we 
a hard time. Yeah. I just woke up a few minutes ago. Yeah. I usually get in an office around 10 a.m. I mean, that's... Thanks, Tom, for having my back. I appreciate it. Well, I think highlights on uh, on for, for us here at ImageSource is, uh, you know, hitting our goal. We, we start out, you know, a year in advance and, we, you know, we have a one-year and a, and a two-year strategic plan and, and, you know, you cook up all these objectives, strategies, and tactics and hope you deliver on them and, you know, run, run through the year to, to hit your goal. And so uh, we've done that the last two years in a row with um, some pretty strong growth. So, um, you know, that, that's a big highlight as, as I look and reflect on, uh, on 2018. And I think also for us is the continued investment in our culture. Uh, that's a big deal for us. You know, we really pride ourselves on best workplace and having a, a fun work environment. And so that, that investment in our culture, I think, is is important to me, you know, as an owner. Um, on the personal side, I don't really think you asked that, but I'm going to throw that in there. Dana did. Is uh, I competed in the duathlon world championships in Denmark in July, so that was a kind of a highlight for me and a fun nice. journey of training and uh, and you know, culmination of a of a event there. So that was cool. Plus Denmark. I mean, you know, Denmark. Denmark's cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Uh, industry highlights. I, gosh, I just have to think it was that uh, Roger Burnett was named Rack Volunteer of the Year, right? And- oh, come on. Jeez. All right. That one's going on the editing room floor for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Delete. Well, and that will conclude the sucking up portion of the podcast, everybody. Uh, I think... You know, for me, that the in, the industry continues to thrive. You know, we were twenty three point three billion dollar industry um, last year's numbers. Well, that was really twenty seventeen um, numbers, which is uh, a nine percent growth year over year. There, um, you know, the expected growth for the industry is somewhere around six percent. They have ITR Economics puts out the numbers, and and they have five point six percent growth for distributors and six percent for suppliers in twenty eighteen. That's the estimate. That's awesome growth for a $23 billion mature industry, more than double GDP. I mean, I think, you know, when we stack up against other advertising um, mediums, it's, you know, it's continues to grow. It's, it's, it's thought as a more, you know, positive advertising medium. And, and, you know, I think that's an exciting thing. We continues to be uh, a plus for the industry. No doubt. And all of us that have the opportunity to to talk to people from around the country, as the four of us do, more so really than any other year I can remember in the history of being in this industry, I have heard not one person say they were having a bad year. Not one. All right. So let's turn it back around. So those were the things to brag about. What were the things that were uh, moments for improvement in 2018 for both each of you, and then the industry as well. So, and Tom, you get to take this one too and start off. All right, back to back. Um, I think for us uh, here at ImageSource, I think the, the biggest challenge that I had was turnover. Um, you know, this is our 20th year in business. We had very little turnover. Uh, we really prided ourselves on that. And one of the things that I was really aggressive on was hiring youth next gen and recruiting from colleges and bringing in a very youthful uh, workforce into the promotional products industry. I think we've been known to be um, historic 
uh, like the four of us on this yeah. call. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I remember uh, going to Expo and being the youngest person on the show floor. And I still feel that way, but um, I'm pretty sure I don't look that way. So, <laughs> um, but for, you know, for us, we had more turnover than we ever have, and 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 you know that I think it was a, a good strategy to hire. You know, focus on next gen, but I think there's some diversification for us in 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 our in our hiring for experienced people and and blend that a little bit. Certainly, some look inward too on some things we can do better at. We have a very competitive uh, workforce here in the Seattle market, uh, so that that's also a big challenge. I know it is nationally, but especially here with you know Amazon, Microsoft, Boeing, Starbucks, all the you know big players that are gobbling up employees. So that was uh, a big challenge for us. Uh, on the industry side, you know, I think there was a few, but, you know, I think product safety continues to be a, a, a low light. I think, you know, part of the industry is paying attention to it, but not enough. I mean, Prop 65 um, and the changes there, it just continues to make business challenging. And, uh, and you know, I know that's, you know, most of our large clients, you know, have, have a, a focus around that and, and this industry is challenged in that area. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So twist it, man. Who, who are you throwing the ball to? I'll throw it over to uh, the person who doesn't follow the rules very well, Mr. Dana Zezzo. See how he does. Oh, this is uh, now, now I've got lots of pressure. Um, all right. So uh, 2018, um, challenges lows i think you you coined it as roger and you and the questions were for us were um you know speaking in the second half of the year and the role was um definitely working with our sales associates and and just the general margin pressure that i think's out there based on the um you know the knowledge of the end users uh in today's environment you know i think you know, when I was younger, we heard the scares of the internet overeducating um, the entire consumer um, vertical, and you know, I think we have a little bit of that definitely in place, um, and that's putting some pressures on um, that. You know, will work their way out, and everyone will make an adjustment. So it's not a low and you know, a bit, or I think a big fear. It's just definitely something that we're acknowledging and working through. Um, the other one I'll, I follow right there with Tom uh, on the, and I hate to coin it as a low because I'm not against it or Americans not against it, but I'll lump product safety and tariffs into the same bucket. Um, I think the challenges are uh, the low points is and the stress comes from the unknown and the wave of confusion and miscommunication that runs through an organization the size of American when these things happen because everybody's looking for answers and nobody really necessarily knows where to turn for the right answer because you know that we all know the right answer is kind of a moving target in some situations. So I know in the second half of the year for me in my new role, um, the challenges that popped up with the new prop 65 situations that came out and the, all the, you know, the tariffs that, that have even now bounced around and, and are, or just caused a, an uncomfortable challenging communication nightmare within American. So 
from a low perspective, uh, that was mine. It was the, um, the margin pressures and then the product safety and the tariff situation. So that's a recap of my 2018 lows. I hope I followed all the rules. And I'm flipping it over cautiously to Bill Petrie. Dana, thank you so much. I appreciate you passing the ball in an appropriate rule-following manner. <laughs> so uh, business lowlights for me, we didn't hit our stated revenue goal. I put my goals out there publicly. Uh, I wanted to do 30%. We fell just short of that. So great growth, but just not where I personally wanted it to be. Uh, much like what Tom said, um, we had some instability on our team. Um, you know, when I joined Promo Corner, the company was really focused on email marketing, and that is still a, a, a significant focus for us. But for us to compete and to uh, elevate what we do, we needed to change not only uh, what we did. Uh, and what we are doing for our, our customers, but who's doing it for us and making sure we have the right people on the bus. So, that, you know, you have to make some difficult decisions to make sure you get the right people in the right roles. I'm very confident we have that now. And so it was kind of like a, a 2018 highlight was getting the team together, but the low light is making the hard decisions to get that team. Um, and then personally, I and I wrote about this, so it's fairly publicly out there. Um, I really overextended myself in terms of uh, speaking in the industry and doing a lot of education in uh, late September through October, where I did, in the course of a month, I did, I'd say, I think if, if I remember the math right, it was uh, seven different presentations in six different cities. And it got to a point where I was starting to feel burnout and I, I you know, there's only so much time and energy you have. And I don't think I, during that time, devoted enough time to my duties here at Promo Corner. So, you know, lesson learned. But I, I look back and, you know, great lesson, but uh, a tough one to learn, to be sure. From an industry perspective, yeah. Well, I would say, Mr. Van Halen, that you and I both learned some very valuable lessons about what happens when you overextend yourself this year. And I remember sitting across next to you at a what? bar in Columbus bar? when you were just about ready to be done. <laughs> so I remember exactly that moment when all of that was going down. So I'm glad you recovered. And are, so you re-energized, you're ready to go. You got it for 19? Absolutely. You know, just it's, you know, you, uh, you just kind of have to pick up and realize, hey, I made a mistake and uh, won't let it happen again. And you make certain changes and you learn how to say no. And that's always a difficult thing for me. And I think anybody in sales saying no is never an easy thing, but you have to learn to do it. So definitely ready for 2019. Three low light. And here's something I don't think we talk about enough. Um, so I, I'd, I'd actually love to hear your perspective on this, Roger, as well as Tom and Dana's. One of the challenges, one of the things I see as a low light of our industry as a whole is the lack of innovation among suppliers in terms of products. Um, we have really evolved into this Me Too uh, product space where, you know, there's a Yeti and now every company has their version of the Yeti, whether it's the, you know, the gorilla or this or that or the next thing. You know, it's the same thing when the fidget spinners came out. It seems like very few suppliers, there are some suppliers that are focused on driving innovation through product, through packaging and things like that. But I'd say 85 to 90% of the supply chain is so focused on trying to copy what someone else has already done. And I really think that is something that concerns me as we continue to try to raise the 
visibility of our industry. So I, that that's to me a low light. I, I see too much me too stuff out there from suppliers. I think we need to let Tom, given the size of image source and his spot and perspective from the board level, Tom, what, what say you there? Well, that's, I guess I can comment it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. That's right. Five years. That's right. Um, I, I think that there's a truth there. I mean, you know, we have what a million products in the industry and there's a you know variation of, you know, 20,000 pens and, and, you know, mugs. I do see some innovation with some lines, you know, I think Origadio and Numo and, and, and some, you know, different supplier partners who are out there innovating. I mean, the, the interesting part about our supply chain is many are just decorators, right? I mean, when, when we, when we think about it, they're mm -hmm. truly not manufacturers. They're just bringing in, you know, blank goods and decorating it and buying it from a third party, sometimes buying it from other suppliers within our industry. So, um, the market's muddy. I mean, when you really get to, um, you know, look under the, the hood of the industry, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. So there, there's quite a few suppliers out there who just bring in me too products, decorate them. Um, you know, their competitive advantage might just be geography, <laughs> you know, shipping. Um, so, uh, you know, that's interesting. I think of innovators like Sanmar who are bringing brands to market. Um, you know, th they're impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously a clear operational model, but I think that's true. I mean, we, we really hunt and look for innovative ideas. It's the first thing that the client asks us what's new, right? And so, you know, mm -hmm. we go out there and hunt for new, both at expo and, uh, you know, outside the industry. I, I sometimes bring suppliers into the industry. I sent PPI one today for, for a cell phone product that they're not in the industry and, and, you know, we, we found them and, and they found us actually through Microsoft and they want, they, you know, our industry is sort of a unknown market to so many and, and so bringing them in so that, uh, you know, they can thrive. So, yeah, I, I think there's truth to that, but I think you just have to find it and look for it. And, you know, there's small nuggets of areas of, of innovators out there and, and, you know, for us trying to, to be the first to show that's, that's what we try to strive for. And then Dana, you've got just a massive sales organization. So you've got people calling all over the place, different size accounts, different vertical markets, different disciplines. Are you seeing challenges in keeping the product selection fresh for them? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're American is very print heavy. So I think we're from a, a maturity cycle of product education, we're probably back down that cycle a little further than, say, a, a group like Tom's. Um, uh, so I think we're still, our group is still navigating and having a lot of success with people on this call would consider standard product. So right now, we're really just focusing on identifying the suppliers from a service perspective and decoration method that are prevailing above the others and helping them um, kind of set themselves apart within our vendor program. But I just think we're, we are at a point in our product knowledge cycle that is back a little further than someone who's having, um, and I don't want to take away from anybody. We have some, some top producers that are obviously having very high level, very creative um, merchandising type conversations with some great end users. I don't want to take anything away from them, but I think on a whole, we're, we still got a little ways to go before we're challenged with 
not being completely satisfied with the with what's happening. Um, but to Bill's point, I mean, every time I look at a line of a vendor presentation comes in and I'm able to join it, you do. I mean, you see people who've never sold drinkware before adding drinkware, people who never sold bags before adding bags. And it's like, you know, my first gut feeling is, man, why don't you just stay with your core? Because it does uh, cloud the uh, sourcing process for a distributor salesperson you know i think tom used the word muddy and it is it, it definitely is muddying up the water so it's challenging no doubt and bill i guess what i would say is i don't perceive that most distributors even recognize the need for them to be looking outside of the traditional supplier space for new products and things to bring into the marketplace as a differentiator, but they should. Uh, dovetail on the whole cause marketing piece that you were mentioning, mentioning earlier, if you want to do a social good tie, there are countless product suppliers out in the marketplace that are making product that has a social good component that haven't made their way into our marketplace yet and would love an invitation because uh, to our collective point, not everybody knows that we exist. So if there was a if there was a, a, a more dedicated focus on the distributors' part to trying to find products that aren't in the industry yet, and to Tom's point, like you know, hey PPAI, why don't you talk to these people and think, look at the success that Rumi had when they came into the space. So right. we know that there's the opportunity. It's just I, I think right now the supply chain relies on suppliers to do that work. And I don't know that that's necessarily the best strategy. Having said that now, I forget who gets to go first. So I'll just throw it out there and one of you can jump up and tell me, what's the one thing that no one's paying enough attention to? I'll jump in. The one thing no one's paying enough attention to is the voice of Gen Z and their buying habits. We are still way too focused on millennials, way too focused on millennials. And I think we really need to look at that next generation um, and what their buying habits are because they are shifting at a very rapid pace. And when we thought millennials would upset or disrupt how we do things, I mean, I really hate the word disrupt, but it, it's, it's accurate here. Gen Z is going to turn us on our tables. If we don't pay attention to what, you know, those, you know, kids, Tom's age, uh, you know, Tom has kids that are Gen Z. I have kids that are Gen Z. Danny, you've got, you know, your youngest is definitely a Gen Z. Their buying habits are very different than that of their millennial and Gen X counterparts. And we're all Gen X. So I think we really need, I don't think anybody's really paying enough attention to that. Dana, what say you? Yeah, I would say um, the, the note that I had made was culture. Now, obviously, Tom made a reference to it. It's very important to him. And I know the group here, we've all had lots of dialogue about culture. But I think that that is something that people are not paying enough attention to because I think that carves out you know, the loyalty of the future employee uh, and the longevity that we have seen change so much. Um, since the four people on this call were younger. If, uh, if you change jobs more than twice uh, in generations past, it will, you were looked down upon uh, as not being loyal or committed or, or you know, and now today you're, their, their peers would look at them that they're not striving to grow enough. So it's completely changed. So I think the thing that people are not paying enough attention to promotional product space overall would be culture and how important culture is versus only being focused on bottom line. Tom, 
What do you think of that? Uh, I think what I had was uh, mergers and acquisitions. I think you know the M&A side of 2018 was was massive. I mean, the number of large suppliers and distributors that were acquired in 2018, I think, was really unlike we've seen before. And even maybe in the last rolling, you know, 12, 24 months, the uh, I think it's still healthy for the industry. You know, we haven't rolled up to the big three uh, or anything even close. You know, I think maybe the largest uh, supply or the largest distributors less than you know five percent of the market so um you know that that's still a very small number but you you have you know hub acquired orgadio debco um cooler graphics um, beacon i think in 2017 uh obviously alpha broder acquired primeline in december 17 and on the distributor side obviously halo bought Everybody. Everybody. Yeah, everybody, exactly. <laughs> they bought over a hundred million dollars in my market. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. They bought CSE at Sunrise Company. Yeah. So Sunrise at seventy-five million dollars. So um, there's a lot of acquisitions there. Even Bamco bought, you know, Public Identity and Tangerine, and and mm-hmm. and I think the aggregators continue to pick up, uh, you know, small distributors and aggregators being. Um, you know, independent contractors and, uh, and I even think American identity, it would fall under that, you know, mm. they aggregate a large amount of small distributors and in, into kind of one entity. And, and so, you know, even on the PE side, private equity, you got Audix bought Halo in April of 2016 with a, with a really strong growth objective. And so, you know, I think it's, I don't think people are not paying attention to it, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's a focal point for, for many, uh, but I think it's it's a big deal more than I've ever seen in my you know. 20 it, it's been dizzying. Years. Like you could, yeah. we could have like an ESPN like news station that does nothing but sit there and report on that kind of activity that's going on in the marketplace. I mean, it's it's mind boggling how fast it's going. I had uh, Bellantone on for for uh, look back from his perspective, and the question that I asked him was. Um, not so much about like acknowledging the fact that it's happening anymore because it's just too obvious if you're really looking at it. But um, what's going to be the first big change that we're going to see as a result of that money coming into the marketplace? And uh, it was an interesting dialogue for those of you who've not listened to it. Please, Joe, I'll listen to Paul Bell come to me. But uh, but it, but it was uh, it was interesting. You know, it's just it was it's almost like uh, professional sports level contract money going on out there. And yeah, so if you're not watching, you should be. I think that's good. I, mean, I think that shows investment in our in our market, right? The, um, private equity, if private equity is coming in, you know, they see growth. They, they would not enter our market without um, significant growth. Yeah. So I think there's a real positive side to that. As I mentioned earlier, is our industry continues to grow and others don't. And so, you know, they're they're interested. In yeah, I will welcome all three of you back next year, and we'll see just how many more of that kind of acquisitions have gone on to the point where we wonder if there isn't only going to be totally. but a precious few of like maybe a big three. All right, so as we're, we're turning the poll, headed for home here, guys, as we're at the eighth, the eighth marker, we're almost home. So, Tom, what is the one thing we should all stop worrying about? Well, it's funny is uh, you know Dr. Petrie had it as uh, the one. Uh, the one thing that no one's paying attention to, and I think, and I think it's the one thing we should stop worrying about. And 
I think he, he said Gen Z and I left that off as just a millennial. I mean, I think we've just labored this to death. I mean, right now it's what, 23 to 36 years old. I mean, you know, they're almost old. So <laughs> we've, we've, we've heard about the millennial into the marketplace. Um, uh, Enforcer Research has them as the largest part of the workforce in 2020. It's almost like uh, old news, right? Next gen is, is, hmm. is the new news. And I have next gen hired here already. Um, you know, so I think I have three next gen employees uh, and all slew of millennials. And so that's just sort of uh, the normal part of the workforce now, uh, in my opinion. So that's one thing we should, you know, kind of stop worrying about and just start integrating into, you know, our daily lives and, and how they think and buy and behave. You hear that, millennials? It's over for you. You're done. <laughs> they are not going to want to hear that. And I'd like all the I, I, I'd like all I'd like all the millennials out there to direct their responses to Roger at brandedlogistics.com. And I'd like to be very clear here: that was not Bill Petrie saying anything negative about millennials, Spark, or any other industry event that might be centered around millennials. Thank you. I approve this message. And I'm saying we should not worry about them. They're so, you know they're here. They're they're a significant. I, I'm curious what they, and we don't have demographic numbers, at least PPI doesn't, um, but I'd be curious at what numbers are part of the industry. The industry numbers that PPI had as far as overall workforce is 431,000 and salespeople at 125,000. So I'd be curious to know what percentage of that are millennials, right? It's significant, I would say. Absolutely. No. All right. So I hand it off. How about you? Yeah, Dr. Petrie. I know you. I know you just like millennials, so I'll let you take it from here. <laughs> so, Mr. Van Halen, what say you? I like everybody. I love all the colors of our flavorful rainbow. Um, things we should stop worrying about. I say this all the time in in talks I give. Stop worrying about the shit you can't control. I get so worn out on, and it's a lot of times distributors focusing on things they can't control. They worry about Amazon gaining more market share in the industry, or they worry about ASI, quote unquote, allowing anybody who's got a pulse and a working credit card to be a promotional products distributor, or they get upset because four imprints advertising on TV and they're gaining, getting my business. You can't control that stuff. So it's wasted energy and effort to worry about it. And I'd rather see people focused on their own business and the things they can control in their own house, which is how they're marketing to their clients, how they're creating a relationship based on uh, quality, surprise, and delight. So they don't worry about what Amazon's doing. They don't worry about what 4imprint's doing. How are they removing friction from the sales process to make it easy for people to want to do business with you? It seems like we have, unfortunately, a, a silent minority, I'm going to say, who really like to, to complain about all the things other people are doing and blaming that on their poor sales when it's really they should look in the mirror. So stop worrying about the things you can't control. I'm Bill Petrie, and I approve that message too. Dana, what about you? Yeah, that's a tough one to follow because um, I wholeheartedly agree with what Bill said. And, um, I, 
I, uh, the things that I had written down, you guys uh, kind of actually both touched on at one point. I think what we need, and I emphasize in this, the question that was asked was the word worrying. Um, and so you could miss, you could replace that for different words or swap that out and this would take on a different thing. But I think this worrying of um, the Amazon and the Walmart world domination um, is just uh, a waste to much what Bill kind of pointed on. We, you, you individually don't have any control. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't be cognizant of it and, you know, watch it. And, you know, I know uh, Tom and somebody at one of the leadership forums did a session a year, a couple of years ago about it. And I enjoyed the session. So I want to hear about it. I want to hear, but, uh, the worrying and the the just this crazy fear um, that it's you know this world domination is going to come through Amazon or Walmart. I don't think the free enterprise um, is going to allow that. So it, it is a waste. Uh, focus on changing your business. Keep an eye on it. Listen to something about it. Read something about it. But the worrying has got to stop. Dana, how about if everybody just stopped worrying about what people buy and start worrying about why they buy them? Ooh, that's solid. That's solid. People are going to buy stuff, and sometimes they're going to buy it from us, and sometimes they're going to buy it from other people. And if we know why they're buying it, chances are we give ourselves a better chance for us to be the place they'd want to buy it from if we know why they're buying it. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I feel all you guys. I mean, it's it's there's there's much to worry about in a lot of ways, and yet if you're focused on providing value and doing the things that make you who you are, then really you're insulating yourself from those threats, at least to a certain degree. All right, so gentlemen, as we exit our 2018 year in review, I will start with the former chairman himself and just say any parting thoughts, any things we didn't cover, anything you wanted to make sure you got out there before we said. Adieu, my sir, my good friend. Well, I'm, you know, excited. I think there's a lot of momentum going into 2019. <clears throat> I'm, you know, we go to Expo in a week and a half, and and I think there's a lot of uh, optimism. I think the, there was one touch on tariffs in here, and I and I think that's you know one of the things that might be uh, looming and and hanging over the head of the industry and, and really the the global economy, but you know, it'd be interesting to see where that goes, but uh, I think 2019 is going to be a good year. I think the forecast is less growth, 2%. That's, that's what the, the um, ITR economics is, is saying. Uh, but uh, I'm much more optimistic than that and, and see growth larger than that. Mr. Zezo. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, – there's so many reasons that don't apply to economics of why I'm looking forward to Vegas this year. Um, uh, you know, the, my trade trade show booth days are over. I, You know, it's just uh, – I, I think um, for us, uh, we're, we're very optimistic. We are going to have double-digit growth in our organization, no doubt about it, um, and we're happy about that. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're having better, better and great communications with vendors. Um, 
that I don't think the organization's ever had before or, or, or kind of pursued in, a, in the way that I'm going to do that. And it, we've got a great response. So hats off to all those vendors who, who want to communicate and be creative. Um, you know, um, and it's not always through product. I know Bill made that, that, that comment earlier, and I understand that and definitely agree. Um, but they're, uh, they, they do want to sit down and, and strategize, and I'm looking forward to that. So I'm looking forward to professionally and personally with my new family time that I've been given and being able to pursue some of the hobbies that I've had hit and miss for so many years. Um, I'm looking forward to 2019 personally. I can't wait to see what happens for you guys this year, Dan. It should be fun to watch. Okay, Mr. Petrie. Yeah, I'm also focused on uh, Dana's happiness in 2019. Um, (laughs) You actually do play a role in that too, Bill, so I I appreciate that. uh, Yes, I do. Uh, I think we all do. Um, I'm much like Tom. I'm bullish on the industry. I, I think there's been such a shift in the last year, year and a half or so, far more forward thinking, far more creativity and far more really trying to add specific value to ensure that end users really understand the value of what we do as promotional marketing professionals. So I I couldn't be more bullish on the industry. Yeah, I think we're probably headed for a recession, but uh, historically um, our, our industry does well in a recession, especially for people, again, who are helping their clients maximize their marketing dollar when, when things get a little tough. So I'm very, very uh, bullish on, on the industry in 2019, uh, personally, professionally. I, I, I'm excited as I've ever been working. I, I love coming into work every day. I love the team that we have here. I, I super enjoy the people I get to work with on a daily basis and really enjoy being given the autonomy to really hopefully create uh, something really of meaning in, here in the industry here at Promo Corners. So I'm super excited. Now, before you sign off, Roger, uh, I'll speak for the panel. I'd like to hear what you're looking forward to in 2019. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know. This will probably go out before I can really tell the whole story, but there's all kinds of stuff going on in my world that is a direct reflection of literally the entirety of this conversation. And it's so gratifying for me to hear leaders in in big distributors and multi-territory uh, distributorships and in service providers in my industry say, for people who figure out ways to show value and connect purpose and product and all of those things that go along with what's going on in our space around cause marketing, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be more excited for 2019. I've been excited a number of other times for a number of other things in my life. But never before have I felt like I'm as close to my why as I've ever been, as I will be in 2019. And man, I just can't wait. Sky's the limit. Giddy up. Let's go. Nice. Wow.